song of old, the angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all-gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled. And still their heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world. Above its sad and lowly plains they bend on hovering wings. And over o'er the babble sound the blessed angels sing. And ye beneath life's crushing blow, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing and rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing for lo the days are hastening on by prophet parts foretold when with the average circling years comes round the age of gold when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling and the whole world gives back the song which now the angels sing. And over to page 100, we'll use this as our last congregational this morning. Good singing for a Baptist congregation this day. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold Him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exaltation. Oh, sing, all ye bright hosts of heaven. 
Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet Thee. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to Thee be all glory give. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Amen. That's good singing. Let's take our Bibles and turn over to the book of John this morning. John chapter number 18. And you ought to uh, just let me get a shot in for your whoever leads your singing, uh, uh, that you uh, want to encourage your song leader, sing, sing louder. You say, no, no, preacher, you don't know what you're saying because uh, I, I can't sing. Well, the only people that can't sing won't sing. You say, no, you never heard me. I don't want to hear you. Uh, I don't want you as far as auditioning. The Bible nowhere says that you have to have, you know, a Hollywood talent to be able to sing. Uh I mean, you can sing one of the best flat notes that there is. Amen? You can. You have, if, if that's all you have, then use it to the glory of God. Amen? And uh, those around you, if they're offended by your voice, they'll sing louder to drown you out. So don't worry about it. And uh, so, but sing. Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned. I've, I've been concerned for many years that uh, we have made such... Uh, such emphasis on talent uh, that uh, so many uh, in our churches are missing a wonderful opportunity of congregational singing. I, by the way, I believe that's the most important uh, uh, m- part of the music in the church is the congregational, not the specials. God can use special music, but that's not where the emphasis ought to be. It, by the way, it's the only time... Really, the only time in the in the service that all can participate. Think about that. And don't don't try to excuse why you don't sing because of your talent away because that's not an excuse or I should say it's not a reason. It's just merely an excuse. The Lord said uh, in the book of Psalms, "Sing unto the Lord, uh, make a joyful noise." Now everybody in this room qualifies to make a noise. Okay. If that noise uh, can be for the glory of God, then you, with all your might and strength, ought to give glory to God in the congregational uh, song service. And that will, that will encourage your song leader so much. Uh, you may have to stop him running up and down the aisle. Uh, he just, uh, it, it's really an encouragement. But uh, for your sake, uh, don't stifle uh, that wonderful privilege of, of singing, even if you don't feel like you are very talented. You know, Moses, his, his excuse for not uh, going to uh, Egypt was uh, of his speech. He couldn't speak very well. 
And you remember anybody remember what God told him? Who hath made man's mouth? So before you excuse away your reason, uh, your excuse for not singing, um, who made your singing ability? Does that mean that God only wants certain people to sing? Well, according to the world, uh, that's a world standard, and only you know you can only sing if you're really really good. Uh, that theology, uh, I, I used, I think I used it before, but I remembered I was on national television, so I'm not going to do it in here today. And uh, just for Brother Boer's sake, I won't do that to him. Uh, but sing, sing, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Opportunity of congregational singing, what a, what a blessing it is. You know, you don't have to sing on a hill far away all the time. You can actually sing in the church. All right. Well, we're glad you're here this morning. Let's uh, let's uh, look at uh, Luke chapter. Or, I'm sorry, John chapter number 18. I, I am going to uh, preach on on the birth of Christ today. So you say, well, shouldn't we be in the in the earlier chapters of uh, of Luke? Well, uh, we could, but uh, by way of uh, int- introducing uh, the message today, I actually started in Sunday school when I when I said that. When the Christ was born, uh, uh, that he was born to die, and the reason that he was to die was that so for the purpose of dying, he he rose from the from the dead, and the reason he rose from the dead, uh, and that's what we're going to look at today. But Luke, cha- or, I'm sorry, John chapter number 18. I'll get right in a minute. Uh, beginning in uh, verse number 18, we'll read down through verse number 37. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, uh, what shall I do to inherit? I'm sorry, I'm still in Luke. I am not going to. I'm not going to preach out of Luke. Let me try it again. Luke, uh, John chapter 18 and verse number 18. The servants uh, and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The, the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him and spake openly, uh, he, uh, I spake openly to the world. I, I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I, I said nothing. Why askest thou, uh, thou me? Ask them which heard me. What I, what I have said unto them, behold, they know what I said. When he had thus spoken, one of the officers stood, which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answer thou the high priest so? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil, but if well, why smitest thou me? And, and now Annas had uh, sent him bound to Caiaphas, uh, the high priest, and uh, Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Uh, 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 they said, Therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being uh, his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, uh, did, did not I see thee in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again immediately the cock crew. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they be defiled, but that uh, they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, uh, 
I would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said uh, Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it uh, thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and and the chief priests have delivered uh, thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that uh, that is of the truth heareth my voice. We're going to stop there, but I want us to focus in on verse number 37, where our Lord's answer to Pilate when he said, uh, To this end was I born. We talked in Sunday school a little bit about the, the birth of Christ and uh, the, the entire, uh, the entire uh, purpose of him was not just to be born, but to be born for death. And so uh, we, we want to just look at uh, three things here, or four things here this morning concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. And I uh, hope, hope it will be a help and a blessing to you. I'm going to ask the Lord to help us here just one more time. Father, again, we bow our heads to you, our hearts, uh, asking that you would uh, just uh, work in our midst. Uh, Spirit of God, again, I need your help. I'm very aware of my need for you today. I pray that, uh, that we not leave here with our cups empty, but, God, that you'd fill them. And uh, give us an encouragement today, just a sweet and special blessing uh, from uh, from the message this hour. And we'll praise you and thank you now in Christ's name. Amen. Well, uh, first of all, we see uh, uh, when it comes to uh, the Lord's birth that uh, we need as believers need to understand that this was not some uh, something that took place uh, in the mind of God after the creation. But this was something that was planned before creation. Matter of fact, while God was planning all of the plans that he made regarding uh, creation, redemption was in that plan. You say, well, I don't, I don't under, quite understand that, preacher. Well, are you saying that God created sin and that he made man to sin and that he was going to redeem man because he made sin? No, that's not at all what I'm saying. Uh, one, of the, one of the problems that uh, we have when it comes to uh, wrapping our head around, uh, around God and the things of God is that our, our head is not big enough. And so we find ourselves oftentimes in, uh, in our, uh, and even in our devotions as we are learning about God and, and learning... Uh, uh, learning uh, God's thoughts and, 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 and learning how God uh, decides on things and what he wants us to do, that we find we are, we're eventually going to run into some roadblocks, that, uh, and those roadblocks have not necessarily um, um, uh, has to do with 
um, you know, our intellectual ability, you know, uh, some of us in here have a higher IQ than others. It doesn't necessarily mean you're smart. It just means you score higher on the page. Because uh, I've seen some very high IQ people do some real dumb things. Amen? Uh, but, uh, uh, but my point here is that when God created us, we, there, there is a limitation in our creation purposely. <laughs> I mean, even, even as a limited being, we still think we're God. Do, do we not? I mean, if we didn't think we were God, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing contrary to the Word of God and contrary to the will of God. We think that we know what we can do without, uh, without any ramifications or, or uh, consequences uh, of, our act, uh, of our acts and our decisions. Uh, if, that's not, if that's not based on a God attitude or a God-like attitude, I'm talking about one that thinks that they're, they're their own person, that they have, uh, you know, that they know uh, how to live their life, and uh, that, uh, uh, that if, uh, if the Word of God uh, uh, is contrary to their own personal will, well, they, they have decided that they're going to do uh, their will and discard God's will. That's what happened to Adam and Eve, is it not? Uh, the the laws that uh, Adam and Eve had, and they were there were not very many. Uh, that there were more than one, right? Uh, it wasn't just about the tree of life uh, or, or the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, but uh, they were to care for the garden. They were they had the free access to all that was in the garden, everything in the garden. They could freely eat. That was a law. That was a rule. Uh, There's only one uh, uh, one. Uh, um, Negative in the in the Garden of Eden. That was the 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 negative law about you shall not. That's a negative. And isn't that interesting that uh, uh, children have to learn that negative the very first thing they have? No, no, no. Are you not listening? No. And we have to stress that that truth. That is a negative. Uh, and so, when uh, Eve was tempted and uh, and uh, uh, to uh, partake of of that negative rule, that law that God had put in place, uh, the the temptation caused her to make the choice. And by the way, I am for having a free will. I'm glad God did not create me as a robot. Okay, with absolutely. No, he could. He could have. By the way, the amazing, uh, the amazing uh, wisdom of God, how He created us with a free will, the ability to choose. We can choose, and and uh, and in order to for us to exercise that choice, and uh, and to reap the consequences of that choice, God placed something in the Garden of Eden that would cause us to make a choice by our own free will. We did that. Man has been choosing his uh, choosing and using uh, that uh, element of his creation, of his being, all of his life. You, you and I have made a choice this morning. We came to church. Amen. Thank you for that. Appreciate you doing that, brother. Brother Boer, I'm sure, was, uh, uh, is excited that you're here today. I'm sure he'd want to be here with you. 
you, you made a choice this morning. You chose probably a hundred different choices you made this morning. You chose what to wear today. Uh, some of you all chose to comb your hair. Others just washed your hair, used a washcloth. Um, you know, we we chose we chose what uh, really uh, most of us chose what we what we're going to eat, uh, how we're going to uh, uh, care for ourselves this morning, what time we're going to leave the the house. I mean, all, there are hundreds of choices you have already made and I have already made this morning. We're not even aware of it. But my point is, I am so glad that I have a free will that God created and put in me that I can make a choice. Most of us in here have chose our spouse, right? Aren't you glad you're in, a, in America where your spouse is not chosen for you in some other countries? Maybe that's why, uh, maybe that's why the Lord uh, in the New Testament says, Husbands, love your wives. Uh, maybe, maybe they didn't have a choice. Uh, to choose their spouse, so once they're once they're once they're hitched, they gotta love them. And uh, so, anyway, I I tell people that are uh, getting ready to get married, I said, look, you know, you think you think this over long and hard before you before you take the plunge. Make sure. I mean, they're not going to be perfect, but you want to you want to get. You want to assimilate as much information as you can on that person. You want to know them as best you can. Because once you're married, you're stuck. You have to, you have to love them then. You ain't got a choice. Man. I like what uh, I believe it was uh, John R. Rice. It was Brother John R. Rice who said that one day. His, he and his wife were walking, and she said, Honey, uh, why do you love me? He said, Because I'm supposed to. Boy, that really throws out the romance, doesn't it? <laughs> now, by the way, uh, husbands, uh, we love our, our spouses because we want to, not because we have to. So I want to clear that up. I want to clear that up in front of your wives so that they don't look at you like, eh, he probably doesn't love me. He probably doesn't even really want to love me, but he has to. So he's, he's loving me now. So I want to get that clear. I wasn't saying, I wasn't, wasn't saying anything like that. The birth of Christ was already in the making before creation. In in First Peter chapter one verse twenty says, "Who verily was foreordained?" And talking about the Lord Jesus here now, "Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you." His work. Of redemption was already being planned prior to anything ever spoken into existence. The mind of God is so uh, is so much higher than our, you know His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Uh, but one thing we need to understand in regards to uh, the birth of Christ, it wasn't one of these things where Christ spoke everything into existence, created man after his, in His own image, and then all of a sudden man blew God's plans. And so God, in a, in a hand-wringing moment, decided, oh, the only thing I can do now is just to, you know, uh, 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 make, a, make a way for them to escape uh, the damnation of hell. And so, uh, you know, so he concocted this idea of sending his son. That was not the way it all happened. There's, by the way, there's nothing that ever occurs to God 
There's never a surprise. God is never surprised. He knows. And the reason he's never surprised is, and this is where I, I fall short and I run into this huge block uh, wall, uh, and that is this. That God can think of right now, this very second, he can think of the very beginning of, of time, and he can think of the end of time there. He can speak about, about your, uh, your present time, and he can speak about the, your eternal time right at the same time. It's all there. He has it all in his, he knows it all. And as a result of, um, of, of uh, his all-knowingness, um, he knew that what was going to transpire after, after his creation, and so he made a way. For man to be redeemed before the world began. That's a God. That's quite a God. And that's a God that you and I serve. Redemption was predetermined before the world began. Uh, 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 the planning of his birth includes, uh, or the, or the, or the uh, his planning includes his miraculous birth, his sinless life, his vicarious death. His glorious resurrection, all of those elements of redemption was, was already being formulated in the, the mind of God. You say, well, how long did it take him? I don't know, but I, I venture to think it didn't take him a whole lot of time. But the point I'm trying to make here this morning is that God is not just a, a God of happenstance. He's just not a, a one who's uh, disorderly because the Bible t- says that that everything should be done decently in order because we have an orderly God. You don't believe that. You just, uh, tonight, I, I challenge you to go outside and look around in the sky and see the thousands of stars. None of them collide. You ever notice that? They're all, per, they're all spaced uh, individual. Uh, and the scientists uh, will tell us that even though they've invented the most powerful telescope that can reach beyond the, uh, uh, the sight of the human eye, that there are literally scores and scores of uh, galaxies out there that house or that hold millions and millions more of stars, and yet there's never been an accidental collision somewhere. That's pretty orderly, I, I would think. And I can't even keep my, my desk in order half the time. I lose my pencil. Wonder what I did with that. You know, just constantly having to remind uh, myself to keep things in order. Uh, that is not something that God is weak in. Matter of fact, God is an orderly God. He always has been. He always will be. Everything that He de- every every way in which He deals with things are on an orderly way. How he deals with his children. It's not like most parents deal with their children. Most parents deal with their children is they'll let them go get by with it for a little while. And, and finally, bam, boy, they just come down with a big, uh, huge hammer on them. And why is that? Uh, because the child needs it. Uh, no, the child doesn't need it now. The child needed it back there. Not the hammer, by the way. The hammer is only because the parent has lost control. That's why you and I, as, as believers, and I, I, I hope this doesn't hold true to most of us. I hope it's just a very few of us in here. 
But so oftentimes we will relate to our Heavenly Father the way we were raised and how we relate to our parents, especially our dad. My dad was explosive. And so for the first 20 years of my adult Christian life, when I messed up and I'd linger in sin and things, I, I would kind of hunker down thinking he's going to blow up on me. You know, God's never blown up on me. You want to know why? Because he's always in control. He's always in control. And when he comes, and when he finally, uh, I say finally, when he disciplines us, when the time comes where he sees fit to discipline us, he disciplines us only to the extent that is necessary. And I wish my dad would have taken some lessons from my God. Man, my my dad, whoo, he'd have been in jail today if he'd have been doing what he did to his kids, what he did to us years ago. Discipline. I thank God for the discipline. Don't get me wrong, uh, but I think there were sometimes my dad and probably your parents as well maybe overdid a little bit, right? Uh, because uh, by the time we get around to to uh, spanking our children, we're mad, and uh, God doesn't doesn't discipline us because of his anger. God disciplines us because of his love and for the and the purpose of disciplining is to bring us back into fellowship. Amen. And so that's always good to remember. Always good to remember. Don't uh, don't ever think that God's had enough and he's had it up to here with us and he's coming to bust us good because that's not the God of the Bible. Amen. The planning of his birth Number one, he's planned it all. Uh, all creation was planned prior to him ever speaking anything into existence. And every bit of, uh, of this, uh, this world in which we live in today was already, uh, it was already planned out to the very end. In other words, he's, he knew the day that he was going to start time in the beginning was God, Right? In the beginning, God created. What did He create? He created all things that we see, but He also created time. He also created this guy right here. Well, He didn't create that. That's just the way we measure it. But He created. There was a starting point, and there is going to be a stopping point down the road uh, for time. Why do you need time in eternity? Do you need time in eternity? When is eternity gone? You know, you know how many numbers you'd have to put behind the year uh, after a while. I mean, it would take up your whole living room wall. You know, why? Why do you need time when there's eternity? You don't. God created time. There's a, there's a starting time and an ending time within that within that sphere of time. God is going to accomplish His will for man. He already had uh, plans, his plans for mankind. He already had his will for mankind. Man, uh, by way of his usage of his will and choice, uh, plummeted, uh, uh, plummeted our, our world into, uh, into what it is today. Every person's born into uh, born a sinner. Every person commits sin. Uh, you know, don't ask your children why you did that. They're sinners. That's why they did it. You know, don't uh, don't expect too much out of a sinner. <laughs> Amen. 
Don't expect them to live a perfect life, in other words. Don't expect them to, to be so good. Uh, most children, is going, it will turn out like you did. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Most of our children will do many things that we did as children. That's kind of scary. Because I weren't always a good little boy. And lo and behold, I found out that my children are sinners just like me. God's plan is still uh, is still uh, the result of the birth of Christ, um, uh, uh, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. And all of time was already planned... That's why it bothers me when preachers say, "If the Lord, if the Lord doesn't doesn't tarry His coming, what do you mean tarry His coming? He already had a plan from before the foundation of the world. So now He's going to change His plans? I don't think so. The Lord's going to return, whether we're ready or not, exactly on the very second that was planned before creation." That's why it's very important for us not to think that God's going to wait on us. Now, He does wait, and that He gives us space to repent, doesn't He? He does that for many folk. Matter of fact, all folks. But His returning is not going, He's not going to wait past the planned date to, re, to come and, uh, and get His believers. He's not going to wait any longer. He's not going to shorten the tribulation period, as some think he's going to shorten it. Uh, he's not going to uh, uh, make uh, you know, an exception for, uh, for the salvation of those that are dragging their feet or postponing. Their, there's coming a day. That's why it's so important for us to understand when it comes to, uh, when it comes to this matter of uh, Christ and birth. It said, in the fullness of time, when, when it spoke about the fullness of time, what? What does that mean? When God's time frame was come to, uh, come to fruition, that that time frame was already planned prior to creation. Jesus Christ came right on time. He wasn't late. Not only uh, the planning of his birth, but we see the promise of his birth. Genesis 3 uh, uh, right in the middle of, uh, of uh, God uh, uh, issuing, uh, uh, issuing the um, um, uh, the results of uh, Adam and Eve's sin, he he uh, he cursed the ground for for Adam's sake. Uh, he increased uh, childbearing labor, um, and uh, the serpent uh, crawls around on his belly today. And I'm not. Saying that to make light, I'm just saying, in the middle of all of that, he puts in there as a loving, as a loving God would, he put in there a promise. That promise was in relation to uh, the one who would come and smite and and destroy the power of Satan. Uh, Genesis 3:15 says, "And I will, oh my." I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Isaiah 7:14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name 
Emmanuel. The, the promises were already put there for our sake that we might, uh, uh, that we might uh, realize that, hey, God is not, uh, has not washed his hands of creation. God is not, uh, has not left, uh, uh, left us to uh, fend for ourselves, so to speak, but he is, he is from, 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 day, uh, from the very day that man fell in the Garden of Eden, he's placed there promises to, 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 uh, for us to latch on to that God is going to deal with what we have done. And that is to give us hope in, sal- in the salvation that's going to be provided by His Son. The promise, uh, the planning of His birth, the promise of His birth, the problematic place of His birth. And I use this, uh, I use this in relation to, um, to, uh, uh, to the, the, the uh, account of uh, Mary and Joseph. And um, I'm just going to have to hurry through it. I'm already way, way uh, past the time I, I thought I should be. Uh, but uh, the problematic place... Uh, of his birth, and humanly speaking, when we think about the birth of Christ, we think about uh, uh, we, we think about uh, that uh, Mary and Joseph were uh, were had uh, uh, were, were there in uh, uh, in uh, 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 in Nazareth, and uh, and the decree came down that uh, that there's going to be uh, taxation. They they got to go get. Uh, uh, get uh, recorded uh, in the in the census, and they're going to start getting taxed. Uh, uh, and so they uh, they had to make a trip. Uh, some estimate the trip was about 70 miles, and they didn't have a car at that time, and uh, they didn't have any any kind of a, of a motorized uh, transportation in those days. And so uh, so there were several things that uh, that. Uh, in the middle of the will of God to be done, was met with uh, with difficulties and oppositions. And um, uh, let, let me just read through this, and I'm going to make a couple of statements. But Mary and Joseph were not in Bethlehem; they were in Nazareth when the decree came down. Uh, and uh, and not only did you know, I mean, how how would you like it if you had a decree come down? We probably will in the next in the next administration that uh, our our taxes are going to be increased. Well. Fortunately for our government, they're real nice, and they make it easy to withdraw or, or to extract taxes from us. As a matter of fact, we hardly see it. Uh, I think it would be good, personally good, for each and every one of us uh, to um, be paid the, the full amount and then go somewhere to pay the taxes. We would realize just how much we're paying. You know, I'm for paying taxes, but I'm for paying only my fair share, okay? Uh, I mean, I, I want. I, I think it's a. I think it's a duty for for citizens to pay taxes. Uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of conveniences as a result of that. Uh, if you ever look at any old uh, films and see when automobiles first came out, they were running on dirt roads, and man, the, the potholes were were so deep you could lose children in them just by you know driving over them too fast. I mean, you never find your child again. Uh, so we've got a lot of uh, uh, bridges, roads, uh, constructions in our country. We've uh, uh, we've got military to uh, help protect uh, uh, our sovereignty uh, as, a, as, a, as a nation. Uh, we've got a lot of things as a result of our taxes now. Um, but there, I don't rejoice in, having, in getting, ta- getting taxed. I don't, I don't say, oh, boy, I got, oh, look how much they took this time. I got a gift from, from our company. They gave us a, a Christmas gift. And they, there's a law in place that if your company gives you a gift, then guess what? The government taxes you a higher, higher rate. 
So I got about, I don't know, maybe a third of the gift. I'm thinking, man, I can't believe they did that. I won't say what was the word I used, but it wasn't cuss word. Just to, anyway, um, I'm not a I'm not a big you know big exciting. I'm not really that excited about getting your tax getting taxed like that. Uh, and I, I would imagine that Joseph and Mary weren't either. But uh, the fact is that it was it was that decree that caught that uh, forced them, if you would, to make a journey uh, that they didn't want to make. That was long, and the fact that Mary was in her uh, trimester, she was great with child, and uh, all of those, uh, all of those in, in, combined, were hardships. They were not something that that either Mary or jo- or Joseph would have chosen. But yet, in spite of all of that, the will of God was done. Now, uh, the whole reason I said that was this. So oftentimes we gauge the will of God on how convenient it is. We say, oh, this has to be the will of God because just everything is falling in place. Now, sometimes that happens. Sometimes the will of God is so evident and, uh, and that it is shown by, by how things are coming together, but that is not always the case. Sometimes the will of God is... is uh, uh, is is uh, uh, met with opposition, just like uh, Mary and Joseph. The will of God was that they, that Mary was to have a child. That child was to be born in Bethlehem. But boy, the difficulty it was that they had of uh, of getting from one place to another was pretty serious. I don't know how much Mary walked, but if she rode, she had to ride a donkey or a camel. Anybody in here ever rode either one of those? They are not. They don't have shocks. And the jarring and the difficulty and the days of travel. I was thinking, uh, yeah, 70 miles. Okay, I can get there in one hour today. If I, if I stay within the speed limit, I can get it there in one hour. I think, what, 15? Is it 15 miles a day or 70 miles a day? Somewhere in there is a normal, is a normal uh, distance that a person can travel on foot. Uh, so, you know, do the math. A woman in her trimester, you know, even today, uh, a, a, a woman who's uh, in her trimester, a doctor will tell her, "You don't, you know, I don't want you traveling," and, and they're riding in a Cadillac or something. I don't want. You, it's not good for the baby. I, I'm trying. What I'm trying to say, say here is that so oftentimes we gauge the will of God by the convenience of the circumstances that we're in, and that is a very dangerous place. Uh, a couple, uh, one more thing is the purpose of the, of his birth. And of course, we I'll give you three things here. Hurriedly, I'm not even going to give, have the time to give you the references. But uh, first is it uh, the purpose of his for his birth was uh, to fulfill God's demand on sin. Jesus Christ was the only acceptable sacrificial payment for sin. No one else's payment. No other sacrifice. Your life, a sacrificial life of anyone or anything, is not sufficient. Uh, to uh, to pay, uh, to satisfy the holiness of God in relation to sin. It was only Christ's death that was sufficient because he was the only sinless person. Uh, number two, um, to bring about a new relationship between God and man. It is now a father. So when a person trusts the Lord Jesus as Savior, uh, they are uh, not only a new creature in Christ, but they're 
relationship has changed, uh, not from not from uh, creator to uh, uh, to creation, but to, from father to son. Now there's a father-son relationship. That's why uh, that's why Romans 8:15 says uh, uh, that we are to cry out, "Abba, Father." Uh, we, in our prayers, we are our Father. It's a new relationship we have now. Why? Why was the purpose of His birth to to uh, uh, to to uh, pay for the sin debt of the world to uh, uh, for us to have a new relationship with God? We can truly know the mind of a, of God today as a result of the new birth. And then number three, to be eternally united with God. There's coming a day, and uh, so many preachers I'm hearing today is good. It's like real soon, and it may be. I just know one thing: God's not late on anything. He's going to come exactly at the right time. Now, we may get ahead of things. We may think, well, because uh, situations are getting so bad that God must be coming. Well, you know how bad it was during Christ's day? Anybody in here been, uh, any, anybody know of anybody getting crucified in your lifetime in America? Uh, is anybody, uh, is anybody you know that's been tortured for his faith, uh, thrown to the lions? Boiled in hot oil for their faith. I'd say those times were pretty bad times. If we're gonna if we're gonna make that uh, that judgmental call on his return based on the on difficult times of Christianity, um, I don't think our situation, at least currently, even matches uh, some of the things that's been recorded in history. Do you? I'm just saying, what I'm saying is, so oftentimes we gauge the will of God based on what we see, and you cannot do that. When it comes to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that in a day in which you think not, the Son of Man cometh. In other words, we're not going to be able to figure out when He's coming. That's why it's so vitally important that we uh, live a life uh, and uh, with expectancy, in other words, and you hear this all the time, and I, I'm, I'm afraid, and even myself, I get, I get a little bit used to the phrase, the Lord could come today. You know, I've been hearing that ever since I've been saved for over 40 years. But the truth is, the Lord could come today. And there is nothing by way of observation that we can that we can be absolutely dogmatically certain about that Jesus Christ is going to come today, but we need to be prepared because He could come today. And when He comes, the Bible says that uh, He's going to come quick in a twinkling of an eye. A mathematician figured that out one day, and there's a lot of zeros behind the, the number one. I don't even think they have a word to, to, to measure those all those zeros, but anyway... The birth of Christ. This is the this is the season. Redemption was planned prior to creation. Re, the the actual event of of redemption started on the on the on the day that Jesus Christ was born. He became a man, and yet still all one hundred percent God. He came not to enjoy. Uh, all of the all of the abundance of this what this world and the blessing that this world has, the Bible says the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. The Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He did without many 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 conveniences. But the reason that he came 
was so that he could give his life a ransom for you and I. We're going to be hopefully spending some time with uh, family this, this holiday season. It would, be, it would behoove us uh, during the holiday season to, be, to have some time, as we have some time with our family, to inter- interject the truth of this time of season. It good, it's a good season. Presents will be exchanged. Families will gather. Food will be shared. It's, a, it's always a good time of family. But the most important part of this whole entire season is about Him, the one who came for a purpose of redeeming our soul. And to share with them what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for them. And give them the wonderful opportunity to make a choice. They can choose life before it's eternally too late. What about you today? Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? You know, today would be a wonderful day to get saved, wouldn't it? The Bible says, Boast not thyself tomorrow, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't have a, a guarantee of tomorrow. Uh, something, a tragedy could happen. There's tragedies that happen every day somewhere. Somebody lose their life. Somebody, you know, something terrible, terrible happens. Um, and I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to get you to see reality. You know, young minds think it's never going to happen to them. By the way, a lot of old minds think that too. Surprised. But what if today was your last day? Would you be absolutely certain that you are going to go from here and step right into the very presence of God to be with Him for all eternity? You know, to be saved is all of, about the redemption story. That is why the Lord came. That is why He, uh, he lived... Uh, here on this earth for the 33 and a half years. Uh, during that time, he had about a three, three and a half year period of ministry that he uh, did uh, so many miracles and wonders and things that he literally impacted the world. Our calendar today has been changed because of all that he did. But the purpose for him coming we found in John chapter 18 when he said, For this cause came I. Here. In other words, he was getting ready to be crucified, and he said, that's why I've come. i come to give my life a ransom. i come to die for the world, the sins of the world. He died for you. He, he loved you that much before the world began, before you, you and I were ever thought about. He already knew you. He already planned for you. You are a planned person. You're not here accidentally, as some might want, to, want us to think. You're planned. God, and God had, had a plan for your life before you were ever, before He ever created anything. And His number one plan for you is for you to be saved. Are you saved today? He loves you. He gave, he gave everything He could for you, and that was He gave His own life, paid for your sin debt, so that you, in turn, could receive life and have it more abundantly, that you could have eternal life to spend with Him. Well, let's pray. Father, thank You for Your sweet blessings and goodness and grace today. And 
Thank you for the Christmas story that we uh, we will all be looking at, hopefully this uh, uh, season, that we'll, even some of us already have traditions in our home where we'll read uh, the Christmas story. Help us, Lord, to realize just what sacrifice that you made on our behalf. And Lord, if there's someone here today that has heard this story, but deep down in their hearts they know that they're truly not born again. They've never truly trusted you and only you for salvation. They may have been in church most of their lives. They may know all of the language and the lingo that's spoken in churches, but truly deep down they just know for certain that they've never trusted you as Savior. I pray, Holy Spirit, today that you would convince them beyond a shadow of a doubt, help them to realize that without you as Savior, there is no other way uh, to heaven. There's no Because there's no other name given, you are the only way in which we can have our sins forgiven, cleansed, and, uh, and have eternity with you the only way. I pray that you'd show them, convince them beyond a shadow of a doubt, and that they would, by faith, trust you today, uh, claiming you as, as, as Savior in their life. And uh, we'll praise you and thank you for what you do now in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to have just a short verse of invitation. I wanted to ask this congregation at this moment uh, the question one more time, are you saved? And we want to give you an opportunity this morning. There's no arm twisting, no prodding, no pushing Christ on you. Christ doesn't push himself on you. And so we should never dare try to do that. We're not going to try to manipulate you, embarrass you. But we are very concerned about your eternity today. If you're here without Christ, Jesus, as Jesus spoke to a church man called Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven until you are born again, you're, until you're saved, until you have received the Lord Jesus as Savior. And so as uh, the pianist begins to play this morning, we want to open, just open this up for just a short verse of invitation. If you, if you know that you're lost today and you want someone to show you what the Bible says concerning salvation, why don't you step out from there? You come down here. If you're, a, if you're a, a lady or a, a young girl, we'll take a lady uh, and, and with a Bible and show you what God says concerning yourself. If you're a man or a young man uh, and you and God has shown you that you, are, that you are lost today, you step out and come down. We'll take a, we'll take a, a, a man in a congregation with a Bible and show you from, I'm going to put, put pressure on you, but you need to know God, is, God has come. He has died. He has rose again so that you might be saved. And it would be very, it would be very foolish to, if you know that you're lost and, you, and we close the invitation and this church service is over and you walk out of here without being saved, that would be very foolish, wouldn't it? I think it would because you don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. You, you may not be here tomorrow. This may be your last, last message that you ever hear. Isn't it time that you stop fighting the Spirit of God, the Lord, and just go ahead and surrender to Him? He wants to save you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to spend 
uh, eternity in a place that nobody wants to go. As she begins to play, you come if you need to come. Christians all around praying this morning. Those that are maybe perhaps watching on this video this morning. I, I don't know who, who you are, but I do know one thing. Jesus loves you. He died for you just as much, uh, and He loves you just as much as anybody else. You're not, uh, you're not uh, uh, someone that uh, God just loves a little bit, but He loves you so much that He literally gave His life in order for you to spend eternity with Him. That, that's a lot of love. You too can be saved today by turning your heart, giving your heart over to the Lord, turning from your sins and just completely and utterly trusting Jesus and nothing else, nothing more, no baptism, no church membership, no giving, no good deeds. Nothing will, will get you uh, into heaven apart from believing on Jesus. What about it? All right. Thank you for your attention, and I appreciate the good uh, group of folk today. I know Brother Brother Boer will be happy that you all come today. Continue to pray for your pastor. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to come Wednesday, and uh, you'll be praying about that or whenever. I don't know what your service is going to be this week, but hopefully the next service he'll be able to be here with you. Amen. All right. Let's, go, let's be dismissed in prayer. Uh, Father, again, thank you for all the many blessings that you have given to us. Thank you for this Lord's Day. and. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to assemble. Now, Lord, let us not be just mere hearers of your word today, but that we would uh, take what is said today to heart. I, I uh, did the best I could, and I know my best is not, is not good enough, uh, but I know you're, uh, when you speak to us uh, that, uh, Lord, it is, it's perfect. It's exactly what we need to hear. And so I pray that the message would sink down deep into our hearts and we would meditate on it. And we would, uh, Lord, uh, let it not just become uh, just a, a casual um, uh, information that we've, uh, we've heard today, but it would truly uh, uh, make an impact in our life, especially during this holiday season as we're going to be uh, interacting with other loved ones, uh, friends and family may May you give us opportunities and open doors to share the Word of God with those that we love the most and that you would, Lord, through that, use that seed in their heart, to plant that seed in their heart that it would flourish and come to fruition that they might come to Christ. Bless us as we go to our homes and we'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.